Praise the Lord. Fantastic. Well, today I'm going to finish talking about principle number two, which is freedom. So we've been talking about the principles of the kingdom. And the first principle we talked about was the principle of transcendence. The fact that the kingdom needs to be the thing that goes throughout every aspect of your life. It's not a box. It's the whole, right? We tend to, as people in our society, compartmentalize things, but it's not the box. It's the whole. Everybody say, not the box, but the whole. And so we need to understand the kingdom is, is what it's all about. It's about the kingdom of God. And uh, even when God sent Adam and Eve to the earth, he was creating a, a colony, if you will, if in, on earth of what was his in heaven. And that's why we pray that, Matthew, that our, you know, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Where? On earth, on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. And so he's revealing the continuance of that mission and plan, which was started in the garden some six, 8,000 years ago or whenever that was, and how Jesus came and through reuniting us with the Father, we continue to build his kingdom today. Well, then principle number two is freedom. How many know that it is for freedom that Christ has set us free? Amen? And so the Bible tells you not to go back and, be, and put a yoke of slavery on yourself again, whether to another being, to sin, to darkness. Don't do that. But instead, you've been set free. And so we're to live in that freedom, not to be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. We've been set free in order that we might live free. And that's what the scripture tells us. Now, in 2 Corinthians 3.17, the Bible also says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Freedom. freedom. So you can see that freedom is a kingdom principle that God desires us to live in and to experience every day. And the scripture tells us that he who knew no sin, God made sin to be uh, sin for us. In other words, Jesus had the sin of the world put upon him so that you and I might become the righteousness of God. You and I might become free beings in his kingdom. Hallelujah. So then we talked about what freedom is. So freedom is translated from the Greek word that I told you last week, which was eleutheria. And, uh, and that's why I asked if anybody suffered from eleutherophobia, which was the fear of freedom. And, uh, but nobody put up their hand because nobody knew what it was. Uh, but anyway, uh, that, you know, but it is a problem in our society today. People are afraid of having to make choices to exercise their freedom to make choices for their life. And so they stay bound in circumstances and situations that God wants to set them free from. And God says, I've given you the power and I've given you the authority to exercise in those situations that you do not have to live as a slave to your circumstance, but you can rise above it and be free in him. And the dictionary talks about seven different ideas of what freedom is. Freedom is liberty. Freedom is independence. Freedom is exemption. Freedom is right, your rights. Freedom is scope. Uh, in other words, uh, options, if you will. And freedom is naturalness. In other words, uh, it is the openness or a lack of reserve, and freedom is also impudence, which is not a very common concept people think of, but freedom is when people act too familiar or they're too free with people. That's what the Bible means there. Well, when you look at our society today, we seem to have definitions three through seven down pretty good. We, uh, we consider freedom to be exemption. We want freedom from accountability. We want to be able to do what we do, and we want to be exempt from any consequence. Uh, you guys remember the band Great Big Sea from Newfoundland? What was that song they used to sing? You guys remember it? I want to live consequence-free. I want to live like nothing really matters. You remember that song? 
but you know, from their Catholic roots, those boys knew that that was not true. And actually, in they part of the song, they stop in the bridge and they say, "But that's not really the way life is." They 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 acknowledge that that's not the way it is. Everybody wants to live that way. That's what the Bible, the, the world, I should say, interprets freedom to be, but it's an illusion. Amen. And then we talk about in our society that freedom is our rights. We have to have our rights. We want to equate freedom to our entitlements, to what we believe is owed to us. And our society is big on that. When they talk about freedom, uh, you know, what's owed to me, what the government can't take from me, those are my rights, that's my freedom. And we talk a lot in freedom in our society of scope or of, you know, alternatives. We talk about, uh, I'm, I like to be free to be able to choose after church to go home to a roast beef dinner or to go out to a Swiss chalet and have some Pentecostal turkey. Everybody know what I'm talking about? And, uh, you know, or we want to be able to choose between Tim Hortons or McDonald's or, co- or, or Starbucks for our coffee. We, want, we say freedom is the ability to exercise that, uh, those options in our life. And then we talk about freedom being a naturalness. We, we're so big on this today. We've equated freedom to, you know, that ability to express our inner self. You know, everybody just says, just do what? Just do you, Right? Just do you. Isn't, how many times have you heard that in the last five years? Never heard it 20 years ago. The phrase I don't think even existed. But we've, we've reinvented what freedom means, and freedom is just the ability to be you. Just be you. doesn't matter if you is twisted and demented. Just be you, you know? Uh, and then uh, finally, our world looks at freedom as being what I mentioned was impudence. In other words, free to speak or or address others, uh, even those who God has put in authority over me, I should be able to say to them or express to them anything that I want. And as I mentioned last week, that we got a whole generation of people sitting in their parents' basement on social media, cranking it, whatever they want, anonymously, speaking all this stuff, thinking it is somehow their, their natural freedom get, got by, given by God to say whatever they want without any kind of repercussion. But, you know, that's not what the Bible means. Those definitions of freedom are really not what the Bible is speaking about when it speaks about freedom. When the Bible speaks of freedom, it's speaking about the first two definitions, the definition of liberty and of independence. Liberty is emancipation. It's deliverance. It's discharge. We've been emancipated from slavery to sin. Uh, it's deliverance from our enemy. We're no longer under the enemy's control. It is discharge. We have our discharge papers from Jesus Christ that we no longer have to pay a sentence for our sins. Does everybody understand what I'm saying? It's non-confinement. We are not restricted anymore. We're free to live out our life without being a slave to drugs or addictions or to uh, manipulation or any other thing because we've been set free by Christ. It is extrication. In other words, when you're extricated from prison, someone helps break you out of the cell, right? They file off the bars, right? And then and they extricate you from there. Jesus did that for us. He extricated us from the prison of sin and self, amen? And we've been set free. It's amnesty. Liberty is amnesty. In other words, what is amnesty? That means that you are no longer bound to that law of sin and death. You have amnesty from that law. You are liberated from it through Jesus Christ. And finally... You know, liberty is defined as a pardon. A pardon is that legal declaration from a judge that says, you're free, right? At the end of every president's term, when they serve their four-year terms in the States, at the end, what's the last thing they do in the last month or two of office? 
They issue pardons to people, people that they believe have either served enough time or maybe uh, shouldn't have been imprisoned in the first place or whatever. The, the president has the right to be able to declare those people free, to pardon them as the last executive act that they do in their office. And we have been pardoned by the declaration of Jesus Christ that we are free. Amen? And so well, how many know that when he says you're free, you're free indeed? Amen? We've been pardoned by him. And so that is the first definition of freedom. It's liberty. And the second is independence. And this might seem like, really, that's what freedom means? But when you think about it this way, what is independence defined as? Independence is self-government. What does that mean? Well, that means self-control. To be independent is to live a self-controlled life, right? Otherwise, it's called anarchy. I mean, you know, that's not what the Bible is talking about. So independence is self-government. It's self-control. It's self-determination. It's the ability to choose the future for your own life. That's what we have in Christ. He has set us free so that we may choose where we go, how we'll live, what we'll do. It's self-legislation. In other words, I set standards for my own conduct. The Bible talks so much about this in Scripture, about not sinning against your conscience, about recognizing that for one man something's a sin, but for another man it may not. We have the ability to self-legislate, to be able to determine good from evil, right and wrong, and understand it intuitively in our spirit, and then live according to it. It is self-rule. I sit as a judge over my own life because I self-examine it every day. It's home rule. In other words, I have authority and responsibility in my own home, for my own home, for my own family. It's sovereignty. I have authority over my own life. My decisions are my own. You know, how many times do I get people who make dumb decisions and then they sit in my office and then they lament where they are? And I feel like saying, well, you know, you ever heard the expression, you made your... Why do we have these expressions? Because we understand these things, at least we used to understand these things to be true, Right? Nowadays, everybody wants to be able to make all kinds of dumb mistakes and then have everybody else pay for it, right? But that's not real freedom. It's not the way it works. It's self-sufficiency. I'm able, I'm empowered, I'm responsible to take care of myself, right? It's not somebody else's job to take care of me. Christ has set me free so I can take care of myself, right? That's part of what freedom is. And then finally, it's individualism. That doesn't mean, you know, you get to push everybody around, et cetera, et cetera. It means that you have the ability not to be under or live under anyone else's control, that you need to only submit to Christ and him alone and the people that he has put in your life. And otherwise, that's why the Bible says you ought to obey God rather than man. So, you know, it also tells you to follow your government and follow the rules of the land. But when those rules contravene the scripture, you're allowed to what? Say, I'm sorry, I can't do that. Everybody hear me this morning. So that leads me to this. The Bible defines freedom as liberty and independence. But liberty and independence place upon us choice and responsibility. So the Bible defines freedom as liberty and independence. We just walk through all those defining words of liberty and independence. But if we have liberty and independence, it places upon us choice and responsibility. Choice and responsibility. You cannot have one without the other. 
If you have choice with no responsibility, as I mentioned, you have anarchy. If you have responsibility with no choice, you have slavery, right? Freedom is defined as liberty and independence, which means we have choice and we have responsibility. Last week, we talked about choice and what that means. Everybody's big on choice. Oh, I like choice. I want to be able to choose. But responsibility is the balancing act to choice. And having choice and responsibility is what ensures free society. It's what ensures freedom in the kingdom of God. God has given us choice, but he also requires of us responsibility. Has watched Spider-Man at all? At least all the older ones, maybe not the new one with the kid, but the older ones, whenever his Uncle Ben is dying, and he's one of those storylines, right? Right? Looks up at Peter and he says, Peter, with great ability comes great responsibility. You can sling webs all you want, but you're responsible for the decisions that you make when you have, and the more freedom and the more power we have, the more responsibility we have. Think about that for a minute. The more responsibility we have. Choice is, has to be counterbalanced by responsibility because that is how we measure our choices effects on other people is by the impact that those decisions have and are taking responsibility for them. So together, choice and responsibility help us to fulfill Leviticus 19.18, to love our neighbor as ourselves. We're able to do that because we live out in that freedom, which is choice and responsibility. Choice functions as the main engine for our lives. Virtually everything that we do is a series of choices, right? It's a series of choices. And what we allow ourselves to think, what we allow ourselves to speak, and what we allow ourselves to do, right? To, to think, to speak, and to do. Well, I can't help what I think. Actually, yes, you can. The Bible tells us to take every thought, right, and make it what? captive or obedient to Christ. You do get to decide what you're going to think about, right? Now, you can sit there and say, well, I can't help it. I just thought of it. Granted, I agree. But did you dwell on it? Did you sit and meditate on it? You know, when the guy cuts me off in traffic, you know, I think, what a dork, right? How many know that? I mean, how many have that same affliction that, that pops into your mind? I don't know why driving stories always come up for me. I'm, I have driving issues. I realize that. But, you know, it, it's just one of those easy, relatable things because I think half of the room probably agrees with me and has a revelation that there is half of society does not know how to drive. And, and so when it happens, I, these thoughts come into my head. But then I get to choose whether I'm going to think about that guy the rest of my day, whether he's going to steal my joy, whether I'm going to come home grumbling because they cut me off or whatever, you know, choice, 
I get to choose what I think about, right? I may not have control of the little thought that pops into my head, but I sure have control about whether I'm going to think and meditate on it or not, right? I have choice. And then I have choice of what I'm going to speak. So when the guy cuts me off, I can go, praise the Lord. Right? I can stop myself and go, bless him, Lord, bless him. He obviously has someplace very important to be. So he just felt the liberty to just cut right in front of me. Bless him, Lord. May he have a prosperous journey wherever he goes. Yeah, Sherry says, I'm not there yet. Uh, I, I'm not there yet. I'm working on it. God is dealing with me, but I'm working on it. I'm working on it. But I might, there might have to be a prayer line for me afterwards to get that, that all fixed up in me. You know what I'm saying? But uh, Gary, have you got that mastered yet? See, Gary's got a master. He's not his, yes, I got that master. I speak blessing on them every time. No problem. Hallelujah. <laughs> so I, I, have, I get to choose what I'm going to think. I get to choose what I'm going to speak. But how many know, most importantly, I get to choose what I'm going to do? You know, sometimes the thought pops in our head and we're guilty of dwelling on it. And then we might say a few things, but we certainly have to put the brakes on before we do. We get to choose what we're going to do. You get to choose. And your, your actions speak mountains about your life and about who you are and, and, and what your values are and the things that you've decided to do. And the Bible tells us that we've been given the power of choice to be able to choose. And I read a couple of scriptures last week, of, you know, from Joshua and Moses, you know, choose this day who you will serve, right? I set before you life and death, now choose life that you might live. Well, today I want to just finish up talking about freedom by talking about the other side of the equation. We talked about choice. Let's talk about responsibility. Let's talk about responsibility. All of a sudden it gets quiet. Nobody wants to talk about responsibility. Freedom, freedom is maintained and grows in our life with responsibility. Believe it or not, the more responsibility we take, the freer we are. What has made us as a culture a free society? It's when individuals take responsibility for their own self. When there is, and we'll talk about this as another kingdom principle down a few weeks from now, but when the individuals in a society practice self-government, we need less outside government. Are you hearing that? So the more personal responsibility we take, the more freedoms we have. If everybody in society took personal responsibility for their life and for their decisions, we wouldn't even need a police force. You would have the most free society ever when people take up the maximum amount of responsibility. Do you get what I'm saying? I know this is a foreign concept to so many people in our world today, but this is absolutely the truth. And this is what the Bible tries to teach us over and over again. And Paul is willing to go down some very, very, very difficult pathways to teach us this. I'm going to ask the candidates they can uh, get out and get ready for baptism. We're going to do it in about 10 minutes. So if you guys want to go out and get ready, then you can come on up and sit here in the front with my lovely wife. That would be great. So... Let me just talk for a few minutes about this. 
And uh, Mark, if you could go down and, and when I'm finishing up and just bring the kids down, that would be great. All right, about 10 minutes from now. So freedom equals responsibility. One cannot be free from accountability as long as choice exists. Because as we choose, we create consequences. Every choice that you make has an impact on other people. Now, you got to think about this for a minute. And so if we take responsibility for our choices, then we minimize the negative impact that we have on anyone else. And what we do is we increase the positive influence that we have on everyone else. And this should be a logically undeniable truth, but the reality is our society is attempting to deny this all the time. And unfortunately, it just seems when I read the press, not picking on any particular individuals or parties, but their constant denial at the leadership level of any kind of culpability for decisions that are made. And it's been happening for years, but it seems to be getting worse and worse because we give them a pass. And instead, we should be demanding that there is accountability for the decisions that are made. Because that's what keeps us free as a society. Are you hearing me? And the higher up in responsibility you go, the more you must take responsibility for your decisions. Otherwise, the whole structure, the whole house falls apart. Because if, it, if you get up to the top and you don't take responsibility for your decisions, you become a dictator and not a democratic leader. And it's true in the church. I've seen pastors that have run their, their congregations and their churches like a dictator, making decisions by fiat, just saying, well, this is what we're going to do. And if someone says, well, well did you think about this, pastor? No, that's what we're going to do. You can't lead like that. You need counsel. The Bible talks over and over again about surrounding yourself with wise counsel, listening to that wise counsel, and only acting after you've heard from the counsel. And when we live that kind of, of responsible life, of recognizing that we, we have to make decisions together and we must take responsibility for the decisions, everything changes. I mean, listen, but you know, don't just believe me. Listen to what Paul has to say about choice and responsibility and how responsibility is so key to freedom. Romans chapter 14, verse 13, Paul says, Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in your brother's way. Now, isn't it interesting? He says, stop passing judgment on someone. And so, in other words, what we typically do is we want to judge somebody for their behavior, but we want to give ourselves a pass, Right? But Paul says, in the same breath, stop judging one another, but then he throws it back on himself, and he says, instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block in front of anybody else. In other words, make sure you live your life so that nobody else has any cause to judge you. Right? Don't stop judging other people, but don't give anyone cause to judge you because you're not putting any stumbling blocks in front of people. Hmm. Wise man, that Paul. Chapter 15, verse 1 of Romans, Paul said this, We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please his neighbor for his good to build him up. Whoa! What a concept that is in our world today. In our world that demands their rights, Paul says, We who are strong, so if you're, if you're strong in your faith, you're strong in your freedom, you're strong in your liberty, then we should 
we should bear with the failings of the weak. There may be somebody who just can't handle uh, your liberty. Well, he said, rather than trying to fix them, isn't that interesting? Then instead what you should do is make decisions to exercise your life in a way for their good. And I'll get practical about this in a minute, but let me read another one. 1 Corinthians 8 9, Paul says, Be careful, however, that the exercise of your freedom does not become a stumbling block to the weak. Wow, straightforward. Your freedom and you exercising it cannot become a stumbling block for the weak. One of my favorite ones, 1 Corinthians 10, 23, Paul says, everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible, but not everything is constructive. Nobody should seek his own good, but the good of others. Wow. Galatians 5, 13. You, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. Oh, my goodness. Do you hear a lot of responsibility in what Paul's saying here? I mean, it's dripping with responsibility, freedom, right? Well, listen to what Peter, Peter must have been sitting in on Paul's lectures or something because listen to what Peter said. First Peter 2.16, live as free men, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as servants of God. Wow. And then in his next letter, just to keep a little bit of change up in there, Second Peter 2.19, They promise them freedom while they themselves are slaves of depravity. For a man is a slave to whatever has mastered him. Wow. The message that they're getting across in these passages. In fact, Paul devotes entire chapters to the concept of freedom equaling responsibility. Entire chapters in scripture. I mean, uh, if you want to read through them later, uh, he has, uh, you know, in, in... Romans 14, Romans 15, 1 Corinthians 8, Galatians chapter 5. You can read these entire chapters devoted to taking responsibility in your freedom. So let me give you an example of what this means. Let's pick one that's controversial. The consumption of alcohol. Ooh, Pastor, are you actually going to go there on a Sunday morning? Oh my goodness. Pastor, I can't believe you would bring that up in the house of the Lord. Well, I'm brave. Stick around, I'll even talk about politics. But uh, (laughs) what would Paul have to say about this? Well, he actually talks about it. He talks about it right along with something that's harder for us to relate to, meat sacrificed idols. So that was a big thing back then. We don't have false religions that ask us to, in our country, to go out and make meat sacrifices to idols and then try and decide what you do with the meat afterwards. So, but in Paul's day, that was a big thing. And then they would sell the meat at a discount at the market, and some Christians were offended that other Christians had the liberty to go buy the meat and eat it. And another believer said, no, it's tainted. And Paul said, well, it's not really tainted because it's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a man, but what you speak that defiles a man. However, Paul said, if it's going to cause another brother to stumble, I'll never eat meat again. Right? Hear what he's saying. So, now let's, some of you are going, well, what are you saying, Pastor? (laughs) What I'm saying is this, that the exercise of my freedom should not be an opportunity for other people to stumble. So, you know, I'm free. The Bible says everything's permissible for me. I'm free to drink alcohol. I'm free to do that. But I need to exercise responsibility for that behavior because it's easy for other people to stumble. 
And I have a, I have a strength of character that I can do that. I'm not, it's not going to cause me to slide down the slippery slope. I won't be underneath a bridge drinking out of a paper bag-covered bottle because I, I had a drink. That's not going to happen. But there may be someone that that may be the story for. And I need to be considerate of that, brother. Hence why we don't have keg parties at the church, right? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Just saying. It's a coffee bar, not a bar. Do you know what I'm saying? And, and we don't do that because we're not in the business of causing other people to stumble. It's our job to take responsibility for other people's individual weaknesses. And it doesn't stop at alcohol. It, it, stops at, it goes on to our conversation, which needs to be sweetened with encouragement and not filled with coarse language or joking. It goes on from that to other areas of our life. Uh, you know, from, from everything from gambling to, to uh, you know, uh, I don't know, just you can pretty much name anything, what you watch on TV, etc. The Bible says it's all, it, it, it's all permissible to you, but it's not all beneficial, and you need to exercise responsibility for what you do. And by exercising responsibility, the kingdom flourishes, and people are not condemned by their own conscience or somebody else's conscience. That's how the kingdom works. That's how the kingdom works. You know, we were sitting there talking the other day about this, and, and I said to a, to a guy, I said, listen, yeah, sure, you know, you're, you're free to have, have a drink or have, have a, a glass of wine or a beer or whatever, but if, if you have to have that and you can't abstain because there's somebody at the table that would not be able to handle it, then you actually have a drinking problem. A drinking problem isn't that you drink you know, eight, nine, ten beers in a night. A drinking problem is that you couldn't set it aside for a weaker brother. Are you hearing me? It stops long before seven or eight drinks. It starts with, could I say no to this for the benefit of somebody else? If I can't, I already have a problem because that thing has mastery over me. Even if it's just one drink, it has mastery if I can't say no for the benefit of that person. Wow, is ever quiet in here now? <laughs> Pastor, did you have to get that practical? I, I do, because if we don't bring it down to the level where we live, people don't understand what the scripture is saying. Right? And that's what it's saying. John Dong, I don't know who that is, but he said this. He said, no man is an island. Every man is a piece of the continent. In other words, nobody lives by themselves. Every decision we make is connected to somebody else. Every uh, decision I make about my life, where I'll go, what I'll do, what I'll consume, it impacts other people, and we need to understand we're interconnected. We're part of the continent of humanity, and especially the church. This is our family. And this understanding of freedom that I'm talking about right now is not the understanding of freedom that our world has. They want to be able to do whatever they want to do as they want to do it, and nobody should be able to say anything to you. But that's not the way a free society works. The taking instead responsibility for our decisions literally is what elevates us above anarchy and the collapse of society and causes us to be able to live as free people. Amen? And let me quote, close with a quote this morning before we get into our baptism. Cecil Marinville said this. He said, are you ready for this, people? Put a higher value on keeping unity in the community of believers than on your personal opinion and freedom when it comes to eating meat versus vegetarianism, 
fasting or not fasting, on any given day uh, being special, on diet in general. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Amen? True liberty. Everybody say, true liberty. Say this with me. True liberty is living as we should, not as we please. Let's try that again. True liberty is living as we should, not as we please. Amen. Amen. Come on. Hallelujah. I want you to take your hand today in the most tangible thing. Your hand is what we do with, and your mouth is what we speak with. I want you to take your hand and put it like this over your mouth. The two things, do and speak, right? We're kind of also close to our mind here, but those are the three areas, right? Father, today in Jesus' name, we commit to you our mind, our thoughts. Father, what we would speak and what we would do. Father, we commit them to you. We, we take responsibility for our thoughts, for our speech, and for our actions today. And Father, as we place our hands over our mouth, we recognize that, that Father, even though it starts in the mind, much of the damage is done by what we say long before what we, what we do. And so, Lord, we ask you to help us to, Father, speak life, declare hope, and build encouragement into other people. And Father, and then to act upon what we speak in the lives of other people. Father, help us today to be people who, Lord, think about goodness, mercy, uh, love, kindness, gentleness, self-control, and that then we speak those same things and act that same way. So that, Father, we show the world what it means to truly be free. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Woo! It is baptism time. Amen. Neil, mom's here? Yeah, okay, yep, good. All right. So, Nathan, do you still want to go first then, buddy? All right, come on up here. Mom and Dad, if you want to come up, take pictures, doing that kind of stuff, come on down here too. All right, we have, where's Pastor Mark? Where did he disappear to? Come on, son, get over here. Nathan Diamond. She's a little cold, isn't Nathan? <laughs> Amen. Dad, you got his uh, piece of paper there?
I taught you? How do you put your hands? Good man. Bend your knees there, buddy. You can put your knees right down there. Yep, all the way. Keep going, keep going. You can get really wet. Go ahead, all the way down. All right, so Nathan, thank you for sharing you that you love God. And uh, Nathan, we want to baptize you. And uh, so Nathan, we just want to, it's cold, isn't it? <laughs> He's going first. So Nathan, we just want to ask you, have you asked Jesus into your life and into your heart? Yes. <laughs> I don't want to drag it too long out for him, but Nathan, it's one of your pastors. We just love you. We're so proud of you and your family feels the same way. So we want to now baptize you, Nathan. Go ahead and plug your nose like we taught you there. Yeah, put your arm right uh, on this arm. There you go. We want to baptize you in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. All right. Praise the Lord. All right. Congratulations. Who's next? Is Ava next or Jackson? Jackson, come on, buddy. Let's go. Jackson's next. Here we go. At the wedding last night, I said, are you ready for tomorrow, Jackson? He said, oh, yeah. <laughs> Jackson, have you asked Jesus into your life? Yes. All right. Okay, you want to cover? Yep, there you go. Perfect. I got you. You want to cover your nose there, Jackson? Yep, there you go. Okay. So we know you love God and you have to Jesus in your heart. And so your friends and family, we want to baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Fantastic. All right, Ava, you're next. Just like going swimming on a cold day in the lake, right? Uh, we asked... Ava about her baptism and why don't you uh, share what you wrote down. I felt that it is time in my life to have God in my life. Amen. So Ava, uh, I know I've known you
known you for a while now and you've already asked Jesus Christ into your life to be your personal Lord and your Savior, one day take you to heaven, fill you with his presence. So let's just believe right now that God's going to bless you and fill you with his Holy Spirit. Go ahead and cover your nose there. And so we, because of your faith in Jesus Christ, we now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. for the old guy. <laughs> Amen. All right, this is Mike Conroy. family for, I don't know now, better part of a decade, 10 years, and I watched their daughters grow up, and Mike started coming, uh, you know, in the last uh, couple of years, and and he's uh, dove right in, helps us work in the sound and other things, and, and I'm just going to ask Mike to just share uh, why he's being baptized today in his journey to faith. Well, first of all, I feel a little bit overprepared because I have, like, paragraphs prepared. Uh, <laughs> I could just say... I want God in my life forever and ended it there, but uh, I'm going to give you a little bit of a Cliff Notes version of a long story. Uh, January 2020, <laughs> I, uh, I was living with uh, the mother of my child, who many of you have probably seen me run around chasing at the end of services. Um, uh, it wasn't that great of a relationship at the end of it. Um, I started getting stressed and depressed and I lost a lot of weight at an alarming rate, um, so I, I just wasn't in a good place. Let's fast forward one month. We broke up, and um, I felt myself getting better, my health getting better. I was gaining a little bit more weight in a healthy fashion, and my mental state was uh, getting better, thus my love life was getting better. A uh, lovely woman who is here with us today um, we both believe that God brought us together. So uh, to that end, I would like to, I'm getting baptized so I can continue um, feeling the love and happiness that has been granted to me, blessed to me in the last year. Amen. So Mike, uh, have you, uh, do you confess that you've asked Jesus into your life and to give you your sins and to be the Lord of your life? Amen. I, upon your confession of faith, go ahead and cover your nose there. We want to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God good. Amen. You know, it doesn't matter if you've been a Christian five minutes, five years, five decades. If you've never obeyed the Lord and been baptized in water, you need to make that public confession of faith. Aren't you glad that God takes us where we are 
and then makes us into what he wants us to be. That he transforms us by the power of his Holy Spirit. He builds us and encourages us through the word and then he turns us into a weapon for the kingdom of God where we are literally every day being used to encourage, to build, and to strengthen uh, others around us while at the same time helping to tear down the strongholds of the enemy in the world in which we live by the power of God. Amen? We're so glad you're here with us today. Listen, the, uh, we're going to have a barbecue, and we're going to need a little bit of a help. Mark's going to tell you a bit about that in a minute. Uh, the lemonade stand will be open, and uh, again, you can make any size donation if you want. And in fact, if you're making a donation uh, of $20 or more, you can actually do it through the Interact machine, get the piece of paper, and you can actually get a receipt for it. I mean, getting a tax receipt for lemonade, can it get any better than that? And uh, so if you're doing that, that would be helpful as well. Uh, we just want to bless you today. We want to thank you. Want, don't anyone rush away. We want you to have a, a bit of a celebration with us today. Let's party in the house of the Lord and rejoice with those who are rejoicing today and minister to those that maybe need help today. Let's be an encouragement and a strength to one another today in the house of the Lord. Amen. My wife wants to say something. <laughs> I was sitting on it, but I just I just feel the Holy Spirit saying I need to share it. So it's in regards to what Kevin shared earlier and then people getting baptized. When people are getting baptized, it's significant of them having made a change in their lives, that the old things have passed away, all things have become new as they are walking their journey with the Lord. And it's just a testimony to others about it. But I really felt that there's people in the room that you, in the midst of looking for freedom, you've led very reckless lives, very irresponsible lives, and that you may feel like, like that you've been named and labeled and you can't change. And I, the Holy Spirit just whispered to me and said, tell them there's a grace in the house for supernatural change. And it means you're not doing it on your own. There are so many things and habits and hangouts in my life and God shows me things step by step. But if I try to do it completely in my own strength, I honestly, I can't. It's the fruit of the Spirit, taking on His Spirit and saying, God, I need your grace. And then He will give you grace in situations where you have had outbursts of anger and maybe violence and substance abuse or judgmental thoughts. And He's going to give you a grace, but you have to ask for the grace. You have to want the grace. It's wanting the more, the more freedom the more responsibility and there's just there's a grace in the house grace right now so i just declare that over you that you would just with open arms receive the grace that the holy spirit is just bestowing on you right now a grace that today is a new day that it's like you've been going under in the water and you're coming up as a new person as a new man as a new woman that you will be marked with change, supernatural change that goes beyond what you can do within your own strength, that it's going to be a testimony to the power of God in your life, the grace of Holy Spirit. So I just bless you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's stand together this morning. Father, we receive your grace, that grace. Father, is what begins the process for any of us of freedom. Father, none of us sets ourselves free. Christ sets us free. 
And as we enter into that freedom by his mercy and his grace. Father, we thank you for that today. We ask, Lord, that you would help us to always in our lives honor the sacrifice you made with the way we live. And Father, we thank you today. We give you praise. We give you glory in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen.